Hello and welcome back to the Euro Trips Across the Pod NFL podcast. For this episode, we're doing a season preview for the Philadelphia Eagles. And with me, I bring back a good friend from the Hairdryer Treatment podcast that I do. I bring with me Steve McGuinness. Hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the Euro Trips Across the Pod NFL podcast. We are here for another one of our season previews and this time it's a turn of the Philadelphia Eagles. And with me, I've got returning guests, someone that we'll work with on a separate podcast as well, the Hair Dry Treatment podcast. I've got with me, Steve, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. I am genuinely looking forward to this season, almost to the point where I might watch the Pro Bowl game. Really? Not, not the, whole, the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> oh, the Hall of Fame game. Like, it's like watching a really bad college football game. Yeah. But it's still football, and we've been starved mm. of it for four months. So, yeah, I might just watch that. Yeah, I think I think it's all different between the Pro Bowl comes in after weeks and weeks of NFL action. You know, we, we've had, obviously, 18 straight weeks, plus the playoffs, Super Bowl's a week away, desire to watch a game where no one really cares about it isn't quite there, but I think with the Hall of Fame game and the preseason games, you've been so starved of NFL action for the last seven months. I think anything having anything on is better than nothing. So I think definitely I think I will tune in if I can as well to some preseason action. But I find once once that first preseason game happens, you know, the whole first next three weeks just absolutely flies by. And then before you know it, week one, Scott Hansen's telling you there's seven hours of commercial free football and your next three months, four months of Sundays are Oh, really good. That's it. It's like, you know, Sunday is football day again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as, as a good, uh, a former colleague of mine in a previous podcast would say, it's preseason, it means nothing. Um, yeah. But it still means you get to watch football. Uh, but although I'm hoping the whole thing be missing out in the Pro Bowl game, because to be honest, the Pro Bowl game this year was flag football. Mm. It genuinely was to the point where they're talking about completely removing it. And I don't see that as a bad thing. If no. they just make the Pro Bowl weekend a skills weekend, I'm happy with that. I don't yeah. I don't think we need a game. Not if you're going to have just no contact in it at all. Yeah, I think often for me, the highlights of the Pro Bowl are never the game. It's always those skill shows. It's always, you know, seeing Russell Wilson wearing that blue jersey, throwing it, target on, or it'll be different this year. But like you see, like, all the skill challenges you see, I think, for me, way better than the actual game itself. And the game itself... It's just, I tried watching it this year and I, I actually had to turn it off. I just couldn't watch it because it was just, players weren't trying, you know. It was just, yeah, not really my cup of tea. Yeah, I can. I grew up where the Pro Bowl was all about players settling grudges. It mm. was like, you know, if someone dissed you earlier in the season, you would pretty much try and kill them during the Pro Bowl. Uh, and if you go back and just look at the Pro Bowl hits from like the early 2000s, mm. there were players out there genuinely trying to kill people. Uh, and I, you know, uh, I shouldn't say that, but I really do kind of enjoy watching that in football. I do enjoy watching, you know, scores getting settled on the field, not through Twitter, which is where it is now. <laughs> yeah, we all saw, we all saw the um, infamous hit from um, Sean Taylor, rest in peace. Um, that tackle, I think, it was on a punter or kicker, I believe, in one of the Pro Bowl games where. It's one of the biggest hits you'll ever see. It's an incredible hit. If anyone you haven't watched it, go on YouTube, type in Sean Taylor Pro Bowl. It'll be there straight away. And it's uh, one of the best hits you'll ever see. If you're a big fan of hits, that is one for you. But talking of hits, 
It's been a hit for the Eagles this off-season with some really good off-season business in terms of ins, Hassan Reddick, Zach Pascal, Trubisky Tart, and of course the main one, AJ Brown, with the only really out being Jordan Howard, Rodney McLeod, Ryan Kerrigan to retirement, and also Alex Singleton. And then the draft was also very impressive with two Georgia players in Jordan Davis, 13th overall defensive tackle, as well as, for me, the steal of the draft in the Kobe Dean, linebacker from Georgia, 83rd overall, as well as, in the between that, Cam Jurgens, the centre from Nebraska, 51st overall. So, as an Eagles fan, Steve, what have your thoughts been overall on the most recent off-season for your team? Well, if we want to go back to the draft, I don't think I've ever gone through a draft and been so happy as I was at the outcome of, of that draft. Um, I knew we had like we managed to stack up a couple of first round picks. Um, actually, I was looking to see um, improvements in defense. I was looking to see a replacement, which we did pick up for you know an aging Jason Kels. Um, and we got all of that. And then suddenly at fifteen, I'm thinking, okay, are we going to go? We've missed out on most of the really good wide receivers. Where are we going to go now? And suddenly we traded that first round pick for AJ Brown, and. But the thing, the thing with AJ Brown contract, which is interesting, is I'm I mean, I'm ecstatic at getting a player of his quality. I'm ecstatic at getting a player of his quality at the price we did. Have mm. you seen AJ Brown's contract? I don't think I just I don't think I have actually. You know, I've not seen so the majority the majority of the money that AJ Brown is due is much further down the line. So like this season, for example, his total pay is less than six million. Wow, okay. His signing, his signing bonus is huge. I mean, his signing bonus alone was like nearly 30 million, but his actual base salary for the 2022 season is only going to be $986,000. And next season, $1 million. It's 2024 when it suddenly kicks into like $20 million a year. So when you can bring in a player of that quality, a first round pick, um, and structure the contract in such a way that it makes your team contenders for a couple of years, you know, you have to just go out there and just shake heavy by the hand because it's a brilliant piece of business. And the fact that the Titans went out and used that draft pick to pick up a wide receiver who, with all due respect, isn't in even close to the body of an A.J. Brown, you know, I'm just absolutely ecstatic with that piece of business. Yeah, I, I think for me, he's one of the best in the game. And, you know, to get him... In, for what you did, I don't think he even gave up too much to get him anyway when he did trade for AJ Brown in the first place. So I think to get him, I really like the signing of Hassan Reddick as well. I think he is someone I've been a big fan of for the last year or two now. Um, Zach Pascal can be good if he stays fit, but that's a story in itself. Obviously, you've also re-signed people like Brandon Brooks, Boston Scott. Um, I think this actually leads wonderfully to my first question was about they really seem to have really gone out and helped their pull back. They've gone out and given him a weapon like AJ Brown. You know, they've re re-signed some players that are key for both sides of the ball. And, you know, they've bought players for the future as well. So in terms of Jaden Hurts, can he now is a bit like Tua with Mary Dolphins. He's now got a weapon, he's got no excuses. For, for you, Steve, can Jaden Hurts make that third year jump and become one of the top guys in his position? Uh, ooh, no. Now, and I, I, I really want to quantify this because I was critical of um, Hertz starting last year. I didn't think you were ready. I think we should have started Minshew and let Hertz come into the game late in the season. Um, 
Hertz is the prototypical scrambling quarterback. You know, he's he's a Lamar Jackson. He's a, a little bit of Kyler Murray, um, but what those two have that Hertz doesn't is they have accuracy. Hertz has the power in the arm. We know he can go deep, but he doesn't have that accuracy to throw that 40, 50 yard ball. So what we're going to see is, and it, this kind of plays into how the Eagles tend to play is, we're still going to see a lot more short yardage plays. We're still going to see a running back by committee. We're just going to see AJ Brown with a lot more contested balls over 15 to 20 yards. Um, and obviously one of AJ Brown's key skills is his ability to get separation and his ability to win those 50-50s in the air. So I think what Sirianni is going to focus the training on in the summer is getting Hurts to release the ball quicker because Hurts has this tendency to, he'll come out, he'll try and make his reads, he'll make read one, read two, and then he'll take off, right? He needs to improve his composure in the pocket. He needs to get that ball out to him and have confidence in the line in front of him to say, I'm going to have at least five seconds here. I can make three reads. I can make one, two, three, you know, and if read one is A.G. Brown, and A.G. Brown is covered one-on-one, you throw to A.G. Brown. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest beneficiaries of A.G. Brown singing this season will be Devonta Smith, because what we saw flashes last season of what Smith could do, brilliant player, so quick, great hands, get separation, but what he struggled with was, teams knew that. Teams looked at the opposition, looked around and they said, well, hang on, who else are we covering? We're covering Quez Watkins, we're covering Jalen Ragor. Honestly, so um, the end result of that was that Smith had the sense to be double covered far too often. This season, teams have to say, which one are we going to double cover? Is it A.G. Brown? Is it Devonta Smith? Um, and Smith will benefit massively from that. And also, whoever wins the starting role for the third wideout, um, and if you want to look at the depth chart we currently have on the roster for wide receiver, it's absolutely insane. You've got Greg Ward, who we re-signed. Um, you still have Jalen Rager, who... I don't want to be overly critical of, but he is, he really has that kind of hands of stone thing that Aguilar had. Um, you have Quez Watkins, you know, there, there are like six or seven guys there who could, with a good couple of games, establish themselves as that third guaranteed starter. Um, one of the big uh, re-signings that we made that you left out there was we got Dallas Goddard on a five-year contract. Now, with the departure of Zach Epps last year, we needed to have that number one pass-catching tight end. Now, Goddard's blocking is great, but his pass-catching in short yardage situations has been key to the team for the best part of two years. He's developed as a player. He's an absolutely key part of our offense. And without him, without you know getting it in, having to draft a, a, a tight end or pick someone from free agency, I'm not sure I would be quite so confident about the season this year. Yeah, I think me... Well, I think we'll see another jump from Devonta Smith. I mean, he had... 916 yards and five touchdowns last season, looking at his stats from 2021. And that was being the main guy. But I think now you're going to really free him up because teams are going to be targeting AJ Brown. They're going to be double covering sometimes. They're going to, all their game plans can be centered around targeting AJ Brown. Now you've got Smith as a second option. I think that someone who had the fourth most receiving yards from a rookie last year, I think we'll see him really jump that next level. And I think that. To have them two in, in his, and even like Quez Watkins, I think has every capability of being a number two. I think he's, I think he's someone that showed me potential, albeit in short spurts. I think he's someone that has done well in times. I think if he can get in, you know, and be a third guy, I think he can do a lot worse than him. And of course, even as you know, people like Odell Beckham still available, say mid season, once his injury comes back, 
there's no guarantee he'll come back with the Rams. Maybe you could look at him if you're having a good start to the season, get him in, have him as that third guy or second guy. To have those three would be exceptional. And I think defense as well. I think I think the defense is, is, was brilliant anyway, and I think it's going to get even better with the likes of Hassan Reddick as well as the players you've already got and people like the Kobe Dean from the draft. So I think it's a very exciting time for the Eagles. Of course, last year, you finished nine and eight in the first year and the new head coach, Nick Sirianni. Um, how much praise do you think he deserves for that first year? Everyone was, like myself, thinking it was going to be a tanking year. I think you might have thought it as well. I think not many had any expectations for uh, Nick Sirianni and for the Eagles, but he's come in. For me, he's probably been the best rookie head coach and... They got to the, I don't know they got heavily blown out in the first round of the playoffs to the Buccaneers, but I think overall, how much praise does he deserve for that first year he had in Philly? You, you can't you can't praise him high enough. My uh, I mean Suriani came in and he, he played he played NFL football. My big worry was we would get another uh, Chip Kelly situation where you got a guy who came in and he played a college style system which the NFL wasn't used to, and we got a really successful season. And then the next couple of years, he would just tail off to the point where we were in absolute chaos. Um, the other thing Sirianni's done right that the likes of Chip Kelly didn't do is he's kept key players, team captains, the best players in the squad on the side. He hasn't gone in and said, right, this is my team, I do it my way. He's come in and said, this is my team, but there's already a way here to do things. I don't want to shake that up too much. I just want to get things a little smoother, right? And he's, he's got a lot of the, the players. And the players can't speak highly enough about Sirianni and how, how he works and how he manages them, how he coaches them, and how he develops them. Um, one of the things you mentioned there, uh, like, for example, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham wouldn't come in and fit into this team. And no disrespect to ODJ, he's too old. The core of this team, um, offensively, is very, very young. Uh, and the depth that we have a wide receiver um, outside of Devon Smith that are vying for that third spot, yeah? You've got Quez Watkins. You've got Zach Pascal. You've got Jalen Ragor. We re-signed Greg Ward. You know, you've got four guys there that will all be fighting to establish themselves, yeah? And then there's a whole pile of guys who we've signed to kind of free agents or rookies who also might have a conversation. Um, but again, what Sirianni did was he went to Howie and he said, I don't want to go out and be massive in, in free agency. I want to get two or three players that will fix the holes we have. But I want to try and keep the core of the team together. So, for example, one of the best things, uh, and this is more a Howie thing than a Nick Sirianni thing, but you can tell they, they work together on it. Um, we signed Jordan Mailata, Dallas Goddard, Josh Sweat, and Avanti Maddox to contract extensions. Those are four players that we picked up in the same draft in 2018. Four guys that have grown on the team and have grown into key parts of the team. Yeah, By getting those four in place, instead of going out and buying big money free agents, we could then restructure contracts. So guys like Jason Kels, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, really key players, restructured the contracts and we would bring them in for another year. You know, and those are guys who are team captains. They're the guys who, when you have a young team, you need those experienced guys who've been around the franchise for a long time, know what it means to them and you know, can express that to other players to say, this is what it means to be an Eagle. This is what it, you know, what it means to play in this city. Uh, and that's been, been fantastic. We did sign Boston Scott to a new deal, and that kind of goes with the Eagles thing of we play running back by committee. Now, I think Scott was probably the best of the four running backs last year. Sanders, again, disappointed me. 
I don't know what your opinion is on Miles Sanders. He just seems to be that guy that, yes, he's our RB1, but he just never, he never makes that move up to the point where you would say, if he left the Eagles, he could be that guy on another team. He's that guy on our team because we don't have that top class uh, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb kind of player. Um, and we don't, you know, historically go out and draft running backs high. We tend to draft lower guys and let them develop. In fact, the last time I think we can a really quality running back would probably be Shady McCoy. Um, I don't want to talk about the guy that we signed from the, the Cowboys because, yeah, let's not mention his name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking at his stats now, Miles Sanders, he's had in three years, he's had two, just under 2,500 yards. So his best season, yards wide, has been. 867 yards and six touchdowns. He only got nine in his career. I think he's a player. I think he's serviceable, but I don't think he's a guy you're going to... I mean, the, the running back position has devalued over recent years. So we can't deny that. But I think even with that, I just don't think he's quite... I think he's good enough to be a number two or number three back. I think those stats have got there. I don't think he's ever really, for me, proved he's number one guy. I think... Fa- I think, I think it says... I think it says it all in that when we re-signed Boston Scott, we gave Boston Scott a contract, which is more money than Miles Sanders is on. Okay. Um, and the big tale for this is going to be Sanders is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. This is his contract year. He has to do something. Otherwise, if I'm entirely honest, we're either going to let him go or we're going to give him a similar contract to what he's on just now. He's not going to get big money if he doesn't come out this season and really prove himself as being that RB1 guy. Yeah. And speaking of contracts as well, I mean, I'm going back to OG, OB, OBJ again, but last year, he only got $1.25 million in his contract on a one-year deal. And with me, was one of the main sort of, he was a big reason why they went on to win that Super Bowl because he was that second or third guy, gave that depth and gave Stafford more options. I just think that personally, if he's, if he's up for that money again, that kind of low deal, I think any team would, would take him mid-season if, you know, if they were, say... Uh, I don't know, thirteen and one, or they were eight and three, or they were nine and four, or something. If they were going, if they were winning the division, or they were pushing towards the playoffs, I think teams could do a lot worse than having OBJ as their second or third guy. Not the main guy. I think he's past that point now. But I think as a second or third choice receiver, I think he's absolutely um, someone the Eagles or anyone else should consider um, late on in the season once his injury is back. But we will head now to our final segment, which is our record predictor, which, as you know by now, if you've listened to all the previous episodes, it is a chance for the fans to give their predictions for each game and give me an answer whether they think they'll win, lose or tie each game. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Week 1, Steve, on the road to the Detroit Lions. Win, loss or tie? Win. And, uh, and I, I've got to say win, despite the fact that I thought of all the teams who drafted, the Lions probably drafted one of the, probably in the top three. Yeah. They're, this was a superb draft for the Lions this year. Yeah, I think Dan Campbell's doing something good there. I think they're a team to watch out for in twenty. You've got to watch your kneecaps in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> just watch all the kneecaps biting everywhere. I think Dan Campbell is just, for me, I think he, I, I'm, I'm so excited for hard knocks. I really can't wait to see what he's like on the training camp. I got no doubt that he may play up to the cameras, but I think even so, it's going to be really exciting to see how he works with Jared Goff, because Jared Goff is probably the polar opposite to Dan Campbell, personality-wise. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic is between them two, and also how he is with the other players, really, because I think he's someone that's really exciting to to be around. He strikes me as the kind of guy, if you were 
I've always said I'd love to go for a night out with people like McVeigh and McDaniel, but I imagine if you're in for a night out with Dan Campbell, he'd be getting like shots of Abfin, shots of tequila, just doing shots all night. That's why if you have thoughts on Dan Campbell. If you go for a night out with Dan Campbell, I guarantee that night ends in a fight. Dan oh, yeah. Campbell is a lunatic. I love Dan Campbell as a coach. Yeah, I love yeah. watching coaches who they are animated on the sidelines and they're lunatics in press conferences because they make the game more entertaining. And Dan Campbell is that guy. Yeah, I think that Bill Pacek is the best coach of all time, but I think that he's never really won, apart from the occasional times, that actually he's quite, he's not the most exciting to listen to, where people like McVeigh, people like McDaniel, people like Dan Campbell, um, for me, it just, they bring so much character to the league, and I think, you know, they're brilliant characters. Um, week two, first game at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, no. The Vikings is an odd one because the Vikings is one that historically we've always done well against and Vikings tend to do better at home than not a road team. Um, Kirk Cousins, there's that Kirk Cousins-Justin Jefferson combination, which mm. it worries me slightly, but I think Darius Slay can keep it under control. So it's then about whether or not we can control you know, their second, third, or whether or not we can keep Dalvin Cook uh, under control. Now, we're in a division where all the teams, with the exception of us, have a star running back, so all the teams defensively are set, to, you know, to kind of stop the run. I think if we keep Cook under control, I think Slee has definitely got Jefferson. Uh, yeah, let's go for it. Let's have a win there. Let's go two and zero. Start two and zero. Week three, the first NFC East matchup of the season is a road game against the Washington Commanders. Um, that's Carson Vence's first game, isn't it? Mm, um, yeah, first game against us. Yeah, um, it'll be Terry McLaurin's first game after his big contract. Um, they haven't lost anyone that I would say is significant to their offense last year, uh, and they still have for me the best pass rush in the division. And we just don't do well against Washington in Washington. The, the turf on that field kills players and it just, it, it kills us. Um, I hate to say it because I don't think that's a good Washington team, but I'm going to put that down as our first loss of the season. Okay. Just on Carson Wentz, um, we had Chris from National Vintage League on for the Commanders season preview and he made a good point about the fixes they have. It is a real Carson Wentz revenge tour. He's got the Jaguars week one who, of course, beat them in the Colts end of last season. He plays um, Jared Goff week two, who he was, of course, with, battling with for number one overall pick. He plays you guys in week three. Um, he plays Indianapolis. He plays, obviously, you guys twice. There's a lot of games where Carson Wentz is going to be eager to prove people wrong, and I think it's going to be an interesting season. I think, personally, he's done, but I think that he definitely has got an interesting schedule ahead where he's got a lot of um, players he's going to want to, teams he's going to want to, be or players he's want to be from his time at Philly. Yep, totally agree with that. Um, I, I don't want to think this is a revenge tour. I just think that one game will be early enough in the season where he'll still be fit for him to put on a performance. I think if we were to meet them in like week 10, week 11, I think by that point his knees will start to go for the season and I think at that point we would have we would have beaten them. But no, he's early enough in the season to go off a surprise. Well, we actually do play him in week 10, funny enough. And so I'll put that as a win. Um, yes, no, uh, and that's in Philly, and the yeah. commanders don't tend to do well. We're good at home against them, and by that point, Vince's legs will have gone, and we'll be either playing against the backup or we're mm -hmm. playing against a very depleted Vince. Yeah, 
Um, speaking of Jaguars, you play them in week four at home. Win, loss or tie? Uh, it's a win. And it's a win because it's the Jaguars. <laughs> I, I don't want to I don't want to diss Trevor Lawrence too much because obviously he went number one overall. Uh, he is, if coached properly, a very good pocket passing quarterback. Um, but the Jaguars spent all of their money this season on wide receivers. On the wrong one. That really <laughs> ridiculous contract they gave out. Yeah. Um, and it's like, just, no, it's like, you don't build your team by signing 25 wide receivers and paying all of your budget for that. You build it by building your offensive line and building your defensive line. Everyone else around that is secondary. The Jags haven't done that. They won't. Trevor Lawrence will be the same guy he was last season. He'll be getting chased out of the pocket. He'll be getting passes knocked down. We will absolutely run all over them. That could be our biggest win of the season. And of course, the Doug Peterson derby as well. Of course, um, that should be. Yeah, and I love I love Doug. Obviously, he brought us the Super Bowl, but it's still the Jags. And they, they their acquisition their talent um, acquisition this summer was terrible. And they broke my heart in London last year, so I'm not really hoping they do well this year. Um, week five, on the road to the Arizona Cardinals, of course, with the newly paid quarterback in Kyler Murray. Yeah, yeah. St- film study. Film study. Four hours of film study. <laughs> That's crazy. I noticed today that that contract clause has been removed. Yeah. I'm not sure why anyone made that public because it just embarrassed the team and the player. I think they, um, I think they originally didn't actually announce it. I think Adam Schefter, of course, Adam Schefter, he um, found a little hole in the contract that, um, and I think he's the one that made it public or someone in that sort of job. Probably Schefter or Rappaport, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, no, that's a loss. Uh, That's just a team that is uh, early season in particular. We saw it from last last year. The the Cardinals um, come out the gates flying. I think they, they just there's too too much quality in that team, and I think they will make another playoff run this year. Um, but whether or not they can maintain the playoff run deep into the season, uh, I'm not sure. But yeah, that that is a defeat. Um, week six is a home game against the Dallas Cowboys. I will never ever state anything other than we will beat the Cowboys. We will beat them into the ground. They are a terrible team. Dak is a fraud. Uh, Zeke is broken. Um, I'm a little bit scared to see you, to be honest. But we are going to beat the Cowboys because we will always beat the Cowboys because, yeah, the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, I, you'll hate me saying this, I actually got a soft spot for Dallas. I, I can't tell you why. I'd... You are dead to me. You <laughs> are dead to me, Andy. Never talk to me about NFL again. Uh, <laughs> well, that's been the end of the podcast. <laughs> 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 um, week eight, obviously, week seven's a bye. So you go into week eight, back of a bye week at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, so the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we're either facing uh, Teddy Strabisky or Tiny Hands Kenny Pickett, right? In a team that has lost its best wide receiver. Uh, and basically, it's a case of can we keep their sole running back? Because they really only have Najee Harris. Can we keep him quiet? Um, and the answer to that question is yes. Uh, the Steelers are tanking for me this year. They are looking for a high draft pick next year when more uh, there are much better um, quarterbacks and running backs coming through next year. And I think uh, they're tanking this year to try and get a good draft pick. 
So yes, that's a win. Mm-hmm. And holy crap, after week eight, we are five and two. Damn. Yeah. And then week nine is, of course, a game, if anyone did listen to the Texans preview, I'm actually going to the same game as our Texans fan who was on the podcast, the Kilter Texan in Graham Henderson. So we'll be going to that game on the road to Houston Texans for the Eagles. How are you seeing that one? Do you know what? The Texans are absolutely trash. They are the only team in the league that's probably worse than the Jags. I can't believe that I'm saying this, though. But that is a game. That is the one we will show up after a bye week, ready to go and play against a team that we should absolutely thrash and lose. That is our trap game. I'm taking the Texans to beat us. I can I can actually see that. I can actually see it. I think that it's also not only is it back off a short week, you know, the Texans, they have some, they have Brandon Cooks, they have they have these, I don't know, they had, last season they had these tendencies to win games you never thought they'd win. So, oh, hold on, hold on. Remind me, who's throwing the ball for the Texans? I, I actually, I also support David Mills. I, th- I think he's all right. I think he's the best quarterback of last year. Not that I'm saying much, but I think he was the best performing rookie quarterback last year. And I think he got, I won't say 16 touchdowns, eight or 10 interceptions or something like that. So he wasn't bad. It wasn't like, you know, oh my God, this guy is the next John Elway. But I, I think he's definitely is someone that did okay. Best, what, absolute okay. best. He's the next James Winston. That's what he is. I, again, I, I, I think James... Touchdown touch interception ratio. That's it. I, I, I was bored, Jamie. I think he's when he come back, play of the year myself. Um, we'll when you had the Saints, have you had the, the guy on to do the Saints preview for the no, season? I've actually been struggling to find. I've been struggling to find the Saints fan. To be honest, I've been. I've actually put a post up literally this morning saying asking for any Saints fans, and we've got one guy who said he wants to come on. Um, a guy named Joe Gregory. So if you okay. want to come on, then um, I'll get him on because. I found them, the Chiefs, and the Jets very hard. I very hard to find. I think I've got the Chiefs sorted. The Jets is a no show, which is better because I can't there, stand. There the are no Jets fans. Yeah. Did you who who did the Lions? Because if you didn't get someone other than James to do the Lions, oh, James, yeah. James is the Lions guy. James Harrison. Yeah, I I know yes. my Facebook group, but uh, I actually he met- is the man. If you ever need a Lions, just ask him. Just ask him. Come on the podcast and talk about the Lions. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Dan Campbell's level of passion. James, this yeah. this is a guy who, against all odds, and even when things are going completely wrong, is still passionately supporting that team. Yeah. Get him on your podcast. We were actually very lucky to have um, TV's Marek Larwood to come on for the Lions podcast, which was an absolute treat. He was as funny as I, as funny as I've ever had anyone on this podcast. He was a delight. So, um, but definitely having more Lions fans, the more the merrier. Because I'm getting Lions with a team because of Dan Campbell, I've grown a little bit of a soft spot for. Um, we've mentioned week 10 already with the home game against Washington. So week 11 is a road game against the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, who's on the centre for the Colts this year? Matt, uh, Matt Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. Um, don't ask me why, but I just... With their run game and with a, a quality centre-back, uh, a quality quarterback under centre, <laughs> I can see them turning us over. Yeah. I mean, even though they don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver, I still just feel that the Colts this season will be they will be a team. They will be a team. Yeah, and they've got some great centre backs in Van Dyke and Maldini in their team. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got six minutes left, so we'll try and roll through some of these. Um, at home to the Green Bay Packers is next in week twelve. Uh, that's a defeat, um, John. Again, Rogers or sorry, Cameron Poe is is clearly. Um, 
on a mission. He has no wide receivers. He has almost no running game. And yet he'll still turn that into a 12-5 season. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that is the view. Week 13, AJ Brown against his former team in the Tennessee Titans at home. Uh, mm, that is, I need to say that's a win because one of my, my good friends, Paul Stacey, is a massive Titans fan. Yeah. And if I even contemplate saying they're going to win, he will never let me live it down. So we are going to thrash the Titans to within an inch of their lives. Yeah, that picture of you and Luke at that wedding with him is one of my favourite pictures I've ever seen. So, <laughs> I suggested that. I said, I, I said, like, you know, we're at Christmas wedding. Let's, let's actually have a picture of us as we normally are on a Sunday when we're all each other's throats for the football. And it was just perfect. Yeah, no, that's a quality picture. Uh, week 14 on the road to the New York Giants. When? It's the Giants, the ship. <laughs> week 15, you mentioned Luke. His team, the Chicago Bears, travel to Philly for a game in week 15. Eat the Bears because the Bears are awful. And in week 16, I know how it's going to go. Road trip to Dallas. Yeah, we don't do well in Dallas. That's a win for the Cowboys. The Jaguars? What? You said the Jaguars, you said then. No, the Cowboys. The Cowboys, oh, okay. Brilliant. And then week 17 is a home game against the New Orleans Saints. You know, like said, are you sure you've got these right? Because you've only had us play the Giants once. That's okay. I need to, I didn't. I read, I read them down last night. I don't know whether I've just put down the completely wrong. Yeah, you got on week 14 and week 18. That's right. Ah, of course, week 18. Yeah, right. So against the Saints, the Saints again are in a rebuild. They've got no quarterback. Well, they've got James Winston, so they've got no quarterback. They do have a returning Michael Thomas, so good luck to him because I like Michael Thomas. But um, Alvin Kamara had a few kind of off season problems. Something about the Saints is just. Um, not right for me this this off season, so that's a win. Okay, which means final game is a home game against the Giants. The Giants, which is a win. Okay. Just just by mentioning the Giants, who are truly awful, I know it's a win. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think they'll do well at all this year. But that does mean you finish the season with eleven and six record according to your prediction. So you'd assume, especially in the NFC, that would. Maybe even win you the, AFC, the NFC East, but if not, we'll definitely make you the playoffs regardless. So, you get to the playoffs, how far do you think the Eagles would go when they get to the playoffs? Uh, I think with an 11 and 6, if we end up in a wild card game, we will win the wild card game. Uh, but I think, uh, I think how far we go beyond that depends on our run game. Um, if Miles Sanders ups his game this season because it's his contract year and we start seeing him over 1,000 yards, you know, 1,200 yards by the time he gets to the playoffs and looking like the player we know he can be, um, then, yeah, I think we can probably get to the championship game. Um, if, my, if our running back by committee has four guys on 800 yards by that point, uh, and A.G. Brown and Devontae Smith don't have over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns each, then that's pretty much our ceiling. We're not going to go much further than that. Fair enough. But that has been the conclusion of our Philadelphia Eagles season preview. So thank you once again, Steve, for coming on the podcast. Always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for inviting me. No problem at all. And we will see you for our next episode, which will be the Bears season preview with Luke from the Hair Dry Treatment Podcast. So do keep an eye out for our next episode. This has been me, Andy. This has been Steve. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.